regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is the Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I am Jacques Hopkins, and here with me as well is our co-host. How's it going, Dr. K? I'm doing amazing. Uh, just released a little uh, viral Facebook video, so I'm feeling kind of giddy over here. Uh, <laughs> as I was coming back here, it had like 50 views and like 18 likes and comments already. So yeah, it's it's off to the races. So uh, all right, so 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 I guess in the very niche like Iowa chiropractic world, 50 views is viral. Is that what we're saying? No, it's the uh, it's the amount of feedback after like five minutes and the number of people that have seen it. Like, uh, yeah, you'll have to track it down. So, I mean, I keep a lot of stuff on my Facebook profile just uh, open to the public. So somebody can track me down. My last name's spelled funny, K-R-O-H-S-E. I tell people it rhymes with cozy. Um, but yeah, you'll have to check this out afterwards. Uh, it does kind of violate some copyright infringement. So if you look for it and you find my page and you scroll down and you don't find a funny video pretty high up, um, that's probably why. Is it just kind of a little ad for your, for your business? Uh, I don't want to give anything away. Okay. All right. We'll have, to, we'll have to check it out. We're obviously very excited about that. And yeah. it's fun when, when you start to see traction with stuff like that. I remember in one of the, one of the first just like really big videos I made, uh, that, that went really well on YouTube was about four or five years ago. It was called learn Ernie, learn any pop song on the piano in five minutes. And I've since done the follow up to it, which is just called Mm -hmm. learn piano in four minutes. But that first one, I remember I posted it on Reddit on the videos on Reddit, and it really got a lot of traction there. Lots of up, uh, upvotes is what they call them. Lots of comments and the views on YouTube were just going up so, so, so fast. And it was just like, such just a dopamine rush just as it was happening. And you would, you would, you know, I would tell my wife, I would tell certain people like as it's happening and they, you know, they couldn't care less. They, they don't understand what that even means. And I was getting email opt-ins just firing in because I had, you know, a good call to action at the end. So, um, man, I, I get it. That's awesome. I understand the excitement. <laughs> Congratulations. I hope it, I hope it stays up and I hope it gets, you know, 50 million views. Yeah. So other than that, over here, um, I was reflecting on Nate's, uh, our discussion with Nate last week and just, you know, what makes talking with him so special. And uh, I think he even used the word at one point in one of the early podcasts, but he says, you know, it's all about edu- edutainment. So mm-hmm. education and entertainment at the same time. And I feel like anytime I listen to Nate talk about stuff, I'm just chuckling, I'm smiling. And then also he just always has me thinking deeply. And uh, just reflecting on the other people that I really appreciate, um, you know, Dave Ramsey, that was somebody I listened to for years. And he has some of these phrases, like I remember one time he was talking about how he's like, don't walk around life like, uh, you know, instead of saying having resting B word face, he's like, don't walk around life in life like you look like you were weaned on a pickle. <laughs> and, and like, I practically like snorted kombucha out my nose. I was like, weaned on a pickle. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, just, I appreciate, I appreciate humor and I kind of view my role here with you is to bring some of that entertainment portion, because obviously you have all the knowledge. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I view my job as to ask you questions that lead to entertaining moments, um, add some valuable insights and off-the-wall commentary of my own, and then uh, obviously I do figure you brought me on to be a little bit of the eye candy, I figure. <laughs> I think it's that those uh, those wavy locks at the top of your head that probably right. do that. <laughs> it's a lot more fun than before. You came on around the hundred episode mark, and I would do these intros, outros by myself, and it's a total it's a totally different ball game. And it's fun to just kind of go back and forth in the intro, but then on the outro, also get somebody else's perspective on the interview that wasn't there. I think that's really cool. And so, you know, I get to hear in like the Facebook group and in my emails, what people think about certain interviews, um, good and bad. Uh, I actually got an email from somebody uh, recently who had some kind of negative things to say about uh, uh, an interview in the past 20 episodes or so. And, and I appreciate hearing that as well. Cause I'm mm-hmm. always looking to get better as an interviewer um, and, and what I'm doing here to add value to, to the listeners lives as far as online courses go. Um, but, but it's fun to get your perspective on the interview uh, outside of mine uh, on the back end as well. So um, David, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you too. Yeah. And so, um, as I realized, like the people that I appreciate, the people that I really follow their teaching, they all have this aspect that they're entertaining to listen to. I was like, you know, I should try to grow that in myself. Um, and so I've actually been kind of slowly listening to an audiobook on stand up comedy, like how to, mm. how to write stand up comedy, how to come up with jokes. And it's been kind of a fascinating thing. I mean, because comedy is a formula and I think we know this kind of, um, but again, you know, being funny is just uh, kind of taking people one direction with a story or a, a short little setup. It's the setup. And then the punchline takes in this other direction. And so, you know, I'd encourage, you know, if you're somebody out there listening and you're like, I appreciate people that are entertaining, like learn more about it. Well, you're, you're, you're set, you're setting yourself up here, David. Now you got a, a standard to uphold to, cause now you're, now you're learning more about comedy. So people are going to start coming for, for, for the laughs. And so you, you got to make the people laugh. Yeah. Well, I was going to share one of the easiest jokes is actually one that I, uh, one that I kind of shared before. It's a list of three jokes. So if you want to write your own joke, um, essentially anytime you're going to share like three points or, or three little things, like two of them are kind of serious. And then the third one is kind of off the wall. So I was looking up last night just to share this. Here's an example of a list of three jokes. So three guys were on a deserted island and found a genie. The genie gave each one wish. And the first wish he could be back home with his family and poof, he was gone. The second said he wished he could be back in his hometown and poof, he was gone. The third person's wish was, I want my friends back. (laughs) so yeah so yeah just uh even in my bullet points uh on a sales page it's like if you want to want to provide some entertainment you can do that in some of your sales points very cool and i think that uh, also goes hand in hand with just like not being too serious or professional either like let your true personality come Mm -hmm. come through in, in your YouTube videos, in your podcast, in, in your uh, sales copy, in your emails. I think, that's, I think that's an important part of it. So thanks for that reminder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the couple, uh, the couple inspirational people that I've been following, there's a guy named, well, his name is Mike, and I've encouraged you to get him on here because he does have a course, but you would look up MoveU, so M-O-V-E-U on Instagram, 
And this guy is just off the wall crazy. He's a chiropractor as well, but he teaches all this body movement, flexibility stuff. And then this guy named Owen, Owen Video you'd look up. So mm-hmm. O-W-E-N Video, another guy that's just super off the wall, funny, entertaining, and provide ton, provides tons of value. Yeah, those guys are on the list. Um, it's, you know, the, the outreach process is, is interesting on my side. And that's one of the many things that, that we've got to do to, um, to get a successful podcast episode out. So what's your update for the week? What have you been up to? Man, I've just been deep into, into kind of re, relaunch mode. Like maybe relaunch isn't a great, uh, a great word for it. Cause I was telling Nate about it the other day. He's like, dude, I'm so confused. You relaunch every month. And I was like, well, no, that's, you know, I'm, I'm redoing my course. I'm redoing my offer. I'm redoing my course, the Piano in 21 Days side. I'm teaching it live right now in what I call the Piano Bootcamp, which is my way of validating kind of the newer version of my curriculum. Um, so we, we've gone through day four with my bootcamp uh, students and uh, I've got day five later today. It's going really, really well. Just really enjoy teaching this stuff live. Um, it's it's not great to like have appointments on the calendar where I know I have to be at a, at somewhere at a certain time and a place. I like flexibility more than that, but there's no other way to do it um, to teach live. So I'm in the middle of that, and I'm I'm in a, just a super deep dive on evaluating course platforms right now because when I do launch this new version of the course, it's probably going to be on a new course platform. I just don't know where yet, and there's mm. so, just so many pros and cons of all of them, and. It's just, it's overwhelming at times. And, and I'm, I'm quote unquote, the online course guy. So I could only uh, imagine just the regular person out there who's not super techie, um, doesn't have a huge background in courses like I do trying to navigate this stuff. So I'm trying to navigate it for, uh, for myself, for my students, but also for the listeners of this podcast and followers of this brand as well. And I will share those findings eventually once I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right before we actually started recording, you shared, uh, you were just doing a next level question and answer session. So you said that some of the people in there had amazing results. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to hear those at some point. Is there any that you can share right now? Well, I think it was either last week or probably two weeks ago, you were talking about how you watched one of the Q and A's and you were just very excited about the potential of the people in there. And it was really great today because at least three people that came on, I think there's probably seven or eight people that, that joined me you know, it, it's kind of a hot seat. It's group coaching, but it's more hot seat. Like I bring one person on and join, join me on camera at a time. And that's how I run the weekly Q and A's. But at least three people just shared really, really great wins. Uh, one person we, we talked last week about, she was scared to raise her price um, for her course. She, she was already at that, at $1,000. And she, she ended up uh, raising it for to like 2,600 and she, she sells that that's her high ticket program. So okay. she sells it on the phone. Well, she had one call in the past week and it sold. And for 2,600, I was like, man, that's, wow, that's amazing. That is so great. Cause, cause she's one for one on that. She was so scared to raise her price, but I'm telling you, her program's amazing. It's actually an eight month long program. And so wow. there's a lot, a lot, a lot of value that goes into it. That's, that's her livelihood. And so essentially the same offer increased price and it works on the first shot. Um, somebody else did their first live webinar um, actually right before the call. And he immediately jumped all, o- over to the next level courses Q and a call. And he, um, he didn't even have time to like log into his dashboard to see how many sales he made. He just knows that 260 people were on the live webinar. Oh my God. And a lot of people were saying in the comments that they purchased, that they signed no up. Way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And a, and a third person launched their new evergreen funnel 
about a week ago and, and has made uh, five sales through the Evergreen in the past week. Um, so it was a lot, certainly a lot of people came on with questions today, but it was really fun to just like get updates from people mm. today uh, as well. So I, man, it's one of the best parts of my week. It's so much fun doing that. That's super exciting. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Um, let's go ahead and transition to the interview today. Uh, this is with Kate Kordsmeyer, who um, really fascinating to talk to. And so I'm excited to let everybody listen to it. And then me and you, David, will come back on the back end and talk about it. So that sets the stage for it. So here we go with Kate Kordsmeyer right now. So Kate, you did a thing online and then you decided to teach that thing that you succeeded at. Now you have two things online. I can totally relate to that. I think a lot of people do that. Your thing was blogging. Can you, can, can you take me back to the time? Do you, do you remember when you, when you said, okay, I've succeeded at this blogging thing. Now I'm going to teach other people how to do it. Yeah. So I started doing income reports on my wellness blog, which is called Root and Revel. So nothing to do with business or entrepreneurship or anything. And I started doing income reports when I started making some money with my blog. And I did that because I had followed other people's income reports, which is what inspired me and motivated me to start my own blog. So I started doing these reports and then I started getting a lot of questions from people and wanting, you know, wanting me to dive deeper and to just explain more of like, how are you doing this? And so once I started getting enough questions, and especially once I started getting enough of the same questions over and over and over again, it became clear that like, this is not, you know, sustainable. What could I do to support these people in a way that I can actually keep up with? And I'm not just having to like constantly repeat myself. And so I came up with the idea of doing a digital course, which I'd been wanting to do for a long time. And I honestly just wasn't sure what I wanted my course to be about. And so once this became clear, it was like, all right, I've, I've got my, my mission. You wanted to, for years, you wanted to create a course. Why? What, what appealed to you about courses? So I think what I liked about courses was that it was a way to reach many more people i.e. have a bigger impact um, without having to do more work, right? So I was trying to find something that was a little bit more scalable, a little bit more passive. I mean, I knew creating a course was going to be a lot of work and then just maintaining it and keeping up with my students. But it felt like something that um, was just a little bit more passive than trading your time for dollars. It was to, it was to answer these questions you kept getting uh, but answer them in a way that scales, right? You didn't have to keep giving the same people the same answers. But, you know, courses aren't the only avenue to be able to do that. You are a blogger. You could have written one, like, massive blog post. You could have written a book. Was there any specific reason about the, the medium of courses that appealed to you? Um, or was it as simple as, hey, you can usually charge $1,000 for a course or $10 for a book or, or put a blog post for free? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, that sounds like a little sleazy to to say it like that. Um, but I guess that is kind of the truth of it where um, I mean, I already have a cookbook under my belt. So I am a published author. I know that at least in my experience, there's not a whole lot of money in it until you're like celebrity status. So that didn't really feel like a great option. 
Um, and a massive blog post. I mean, th- there's way too much material to fit into a blog post. And yeah, and you can charge a lot more for a course. And you can go a lot deeper into the course. And unlike a book, too, like I can screen share, you know, how I'm doing something. So I can really walk people through it in a video tutorial. And I think that format is just so much more appealing these days. Yeah, it's perfectly fair. And the I can definitely understand the question kind of seeming sleazy, but my intention was not that at all. I think uh, you know, obviously, I'm 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 a big believer in courses, and I think they offer um, a huge a huge advantage over over the other things. If if you would have just put out, and not that you haven't done this, but if you just put out a huge blog post and and here's this step by step process to earning six figures from a blog, okay, that's great. It's probably going to reach a lot of, of people, but it's not like an experience. And I think if you do courses the right way, it can be an experience and really be one of the best ways to actually cause transformation in other people's lives that a, that a book and a, and a blog can't can't do. And yeah, yeah, exactly. I that transformation is so much more yeah. real and possible and deep in a course format, I think than in a book, like I think a book can be a great place to get people started. But to really give that transformation, I feel like you just need to go deeper. And, and just to clarify too, I wasn't saying that you're sleazy, just, you know, kind of the, the concept of like, well, I can charge more for the same thing. Um, can feel a little sleazy. But but it's not even like you said, it's really not even the same thing. It's um, a much more complete experience. Yeah, there, there's no I mean, my piano course goes $500. There's probably not one that's more than that. And that's certainly one of the reasons that I charge that higher price is because the higher you know, somebody more some somebody has invested into it, the more they're probably going to follow through with it. Totally. And there's that idea that like, those who pay, pay attention. I think that's the quote. I feel like I almost butchered that. So yeah, I think if you're spending $500 on a course, a thousand, two thousand $2,000, like you're so much more likely to, as a student, you're so much more likely to actually take the course and get that transformation. Whereas if you're just paying 10 bucks to read a book, I mean, maybe you read it, maybe you don't, right? But I think with courses, you can also include a lot more stuff along with it, like a community and some interaction and all kinds of things. What what, it, what do you have besides just the, the content and the instruction inside of your course? So I do monthly live group coaching calls, which are the best. I love communicating with my audience in this way. And we do them where, you know, they're live, obviously, and people can come on themselves on video and talk with me or they can leave questions in the chat or in advance. So we hear from our students that that's like their favorite part of the course. And we can really, you know, I keep saying dive deeper, but dive deeper. Um, We can... People can leave questions in advance if they're not able to make the call live. And then, of course, we share the replay. But that live interaction is just so valuable. And likewise, we also have a private Facebook group just for our students, which is, you know, not a new concept, but it's also one of the things that people comment on as being one of their favorite parts of the course. I think there's an expression that's like, you know, people come for the, sorry, the expression is people come for the content, they stay for the community. And I've definitely found that to be true in 6FBA. And then, you know, we have some bonuses and we've tried different things for different launches. So we have some bonuses of like mindful planning printables or working through imposter syndrome and some worksheets and, and guides and 
homework assignments and spreadsheets that I share with people. Like this is how I use to, this is what I use to track something in my business. You can just get my template for it. So there's lots of little extras and things like that. But the two main things are the Facebook group community and the group coaching calls. Yeah, really, really cool. So I love that you're doing these monthly group coaching calls. I'm curious a little bit about logistics uh, because I'm still trying to figure out the best way to execute things like that. I've tried a lot of different things. What platform are you using for the group coaching calls? And do you actually get to communicate with your students through voice or is it just with text and comments? Oh, I love talking tools and software and geeking out on this stuff. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, I like that a lot. I want to get get into this a little bit. It's 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 something that that I'm thinking about right now because I'm always looking to for, for ways to just serve my students as much as possible, whether it's on my piano student side or on on the side where I'm helping people with online courses. I used to use Demio, which I really loved, particularly for live webinars. But I actually would use it for these group coaching calls too, just so that I wasn't having to pay for another tool to do that since I was already paying for this one. And I really like a lot about it. Um, You can communicate with the students um, via text in the chat, um, or they can come on live. I, I found it a little bit glitchy with getting people to come on live. They had to be on their computer. They couldn't be on their phone for some weird reason. And then... I don't know, sometimes I just feel like we would run into issues with it. So we actually just switched over to using Zoom instead. And I actually am liking that so much better because I can see everybody's face while I'm talking. And so I don't feel like I'm just talking, you know, to myself or into the void. Um, I can get kind of gauge reactions from people and see what's resonating. So I really like Zoom for these live calls a lot better. So Demio is a, is a webinar software and most people use it for like selling on webinars. You're using it to actually coach people, present information and and, and not really sell anything. And that's going well. You, I'm guessing you were using it already as, as a selling marketing pla- uh, webinar platform before though. Yeah, exactly. I was already okay. using it for my live webinars and then when we went evergreen. I was using it for my automated webinars. And so it just made sense at the time to just continue using it. And and like I said, I do really like a lot of aspects about it, like the ability to easily add link buttons and um, share your screen. I mean, a lot of these can do that. But it was just I, I really did like Demio. But I, I'm happy with now that we've switched over to Zoom. Got it. Yeah. Still looking for the perfect platform that does everything in Cooksby Bacon too. So on that note, so like just for proper context with my piano students, I go live every week and answer questions, but that's just a Facebook live and people can comment. And I'm just like, Oh, well, Johnny says, how do I do, you know, that inversion? And then I'll, I'll start doing something. So it's a lot of me just talking at people. But lately I've been been experimenting with something like what you're talking about with my uh, online course students, my, my upper level ones. And I use webinar jam because that's what I'm already using for live webinars. So I tried it out for my Q and A's with them and I could actually, people could raise their hand. I can, I can hit a check and then they come on and now I'm chatting with them on live video. I'm, I'm thinking about doing it for my piano students, but there's just so many more people over there. Like I've got 1200 people in my Facebook group for the piano students and over 5,000 students. 
So give me some ideas of numbers you're dealing with that you're making at work with your coaching where you're bringing people on video. Okay, yeah. So we're working with a much smaller group. I have, I think, maybe 225 students in my course currently. And when we launched in January, that was like a live launch. And so we got around 100 new students then. And we were actually doing weekly calls for 12 weeks. And so that was... That was exciting because we had more people show up live. There was a lot more like momentum with this big cohort coming in all at once. So, but when I would go live, I mean, at most, I think we got like 40 or 50 people that were on live. And at that time, I wasn't actually inviting anybody on. I didn't, it just didn't even occur to me to do that for some reason. And then as a student in somebody else's course, I attended one of their group coaching calls and they did it. And I was like, oh, duh, that's so genius. And this is so much better. So now we get like, usually 10 to 25 people who show up live. I do hear from a lot of people that watch the replay. But in terms of being live and bringing people on, it's a, it's a much smaller group. So I don't know how many actually of that 1200 you have show up for the live calls, but I imagine it's more than like a dozen or two. But it, it works well in my group. And you know, now we will just say like, if you're feeling brave, and you want to come on screen, and we can really chat through something, please do. And it's funny, because some calls, everybody seems to want to come on and chat and other calls, I, I say it like five or six times, and nobody raises their hand, nobody wants to come on. And so I don't know if people are like, they just don't have questions that day, or they're feeling shy or whatever it is. Because um, it's usually like at least the same like dozen or so people are almost always on the lives. So, yeah, it's interesting, but I, I love this format so much better. Cool. So what do you do about people that say, hey, the Facebook group sounds amazing, but I'm not on Facebook? Good question, because we do get a few people that say that. And so, I mean, we so we have my course is hosted in Kajabi and we have the comments turned on there. So the first thing we say is like, okay, if you're not willing to join Facebook, then we totally hear that. And you can ask any questions you have in Kajabi and we'll answer you there. But just know you're not going to get the community as much there because everybody else is really, you know, asking questions and talking to each other in the Facebook group. Whereas the comments are generally just like me or my community manager answering the questions. So we'll start there. And then the other thing we say is like, look, I get it. Facebook has a lot of cons. But we have just haven't found a better way to have a community. And so I'm like, you don't have to be on Facebook, so to speak, just create a profile that you only use to log in to our community. And that's it. Like you don't have to do anything else outside of the Facebook group. And a couple people have done that. And so that's worked. And then some people are just like, nah, I'm okay, I don't need it. And maybe they're not even interested in the community aspect. So to each their own, I guess. Got it. What okay. do you do? I'm curious. Well, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually actively searching and, and really laboring over whether I should move the community off of Facebook because I think that's I think that's real. And I've just been fascinated with this idea lately of having the course and the community in the same place. And I know I don't use Kajabi, but I'm familiar with it. I've used it before, and I know that they have a community feature and, and that's sounds like what you have turned on. And so you kind of you kind of have both, and I just think there's a lot of distractions on Facebook. There's ads, and 
I just want to, I want the best for my students. And I'm not saying Facebook groups are not the best because I do have a Facebook group. I have lots of Facebook groups actually, but it's something that's on my mind. And so I, I oftentimes in these interviews and on this podcast, the questions I ask are, are very based on like what I'm thinking about and dealing with in my own online course business at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally hear that. And yeah. if it was more than just a couple people, I probably <laughs> would look into something a little different. Um, but right now, it's such a small, small minority of people that that don't want to be on Facebook. And you're right. I mean, there are a lot of distractions. On the other hand, most people are already on the platform anyway. So I think that sometimes you get more engagement because people are already there and they get the alerts somewhere that they're, you know, that they're already um on a platform that they're already on. The other thing I'll add too is just that I have been a part of a um, membership that had the community built in and it was great. Like people were super active in the community, but I personally found myself not being as active because it was like an extra thing that I had to check and I wasn't logging into the course or the membership every day but admittedly, I log into Facebook every day. So I I just kind of prefer Facebook at this point. But I mean, I'm open, right? And if my students start wanting something different, then absolutely, I'll give them give the people what they want. Yeah, exactly. So very interesting. So let's let's get into uh, more about your course. What is like your value proposition? What 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 does your student typically look like when they're entering your course? And what are you hoping for that transformation to be for them by the end of your course? Oh, good question. Well, so my course is called the Six Figure Blog Academy, and I feel like the name pretty much says what the transformation is. So we do have about, I think now, maybe 60 to 70%, maybe even a little bit more of our students are brand new to blogging, as in like they don't even have a blog when they join the course, but they are sold on the idea of blogging as a business, and they just want to start start it right um, from the start. And um, do things the right way from day one. And so they join the course. And then throughout the course, we're teaching them how to build a profitable blog. So by the end of it, they have all the tools and knowledge that they need to make money from their blog. And then the other like, you know, whatever, 20 to 40% of people that are left, they're usually people who have been blogging, maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years, and they're just not getting anywhere with it, whether that's like they're just not making any money from it, or they haven't been able to grow an audience or whatever. And so they are kind of looking for that that next level. And so that's, that's kind of the other portion of who joins the course. And then of course, the transformation is basically the same. At the end of the course, you have what you need to make a very good income from your blog. Of these uh, 250 or so students, can you share a story or two uh, from one or two of them that that had a great transformation that whether whether they entered without a blog or they had a blog that wasn't making money and then ended up with great results on the backside of your course? You You have any stories you could share? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked this because seeing your students succeed is literally the best feeling in the world. So yeah, I'll give you an example from each. And if anybody listening wants more, there's tons of testimonials on on my website and stuff. So you can see more success stories there. But two really stand out to me. And one is from a gal named Lisa. And she had a green beauty blog and she was doing, you know, well, she had great content. And she just and she was making money. It wasn't like she came in and was like, you know, just 
spinning her wheels. So she was she was making money, but not six figures. And she took the course. She was one of our beta testers, actually. She took the course. She implemented a lot of what she'd learned. She actually even says that she went back and like tweaked some things that she was doing before. I think affiliate marketing and emails and how to monetize your emails and tie it into your blog and all of that was really powerful for her. So she implemented what she learned there and some of the SEO stuff. And then in, by the end of the year, so she was a beta tester. She came in, I guess that would be like around May and of 2019. And by the end of the year, she was making six figures from her blog. So that was so exciting and just really cool to see that, you know, sometimes it doesn't take that much. It's just like a few tweaks that you just, you don't know what you don't know, right? And then another student was Ashley and she came in and she... I guess maybe that's not a good example because she already had a blog as well. Okay, so I'll give you three examples. But Ashley came in. She had a blog. She said, I've been trying to figure out how to word this contract for a potential sponsor um, or this pitch for months. And I just didn't know what to say and how to seal the deal. And then she took the course and she and we have a sponsored content module where you learn how to partner with brands um, and have them pay you to promote their products. And so in there, she said, you know, I read through all of your pitches and the templates that you provide. I figured out exactly what I needed to say. And then she pitched them using my template. And she got this deal for an entire year with this brand. And so she was so excited. And that was really cool. And there's lots of like, big overall wins, like Lisa getting to six figures, and then smaller things that are just like the milestones along the journey. So Ashley was able to get those sponsored contracts. And that was really cool. And then Maureen, she was somebody who came in and she didn't even have a blog yet. She uh, she had kind of an idea, but wasn't exactly sure. So the course really helped her like niche down, figure out exactly what she needed to want, you know, wanted to blog about. And then within her first month, so not only did she complete the course in 30 days, she started her blog, she launched it, and she made back the investment in the course in 30 days. So that was really cool to see. Like, if you put in the work, it works. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I don't even I don't even know how that's possible. Like I don't know how to go from absolutely nothing to a month later you have you have made hundreds of dollars from a blog and obviously that's what you teach in your course, but that's that I, I sitting here on the outside to hear that story. I'm like, "Wow, that's amazing. Amazing. Her course must be amazing." <laughs> well, thank you. I think it's amazing, but I may be a little biased. <laughs> so, is your course set up like you have people from all all walks of life. They have a blog or or uh, and it's, they want to make more money from it or they don't have a blog yet. Like, is it kind of like a choose your own adventure or do you have a step by step process through the course? So it's kind of both because when you buy the course, you get access to the entire thing right away. So you don't it's not dripped out and people don't have to wait to get into the modules that they that you know that are applicable to them because of that exact reason. Like I realized that module one is all about how to set up your blog and the tech and, you know, from day one and but from like day zero when you don't even have an idea yet. And people that already have their blogs established obviously may not need module one, although a lot of people have gone through and been like, oh, I set this up on the wrong platform or this could have been better. And, you know, so there is still something to learn from that if people are open to it. But 
Um, so I guess I would say it is a little bit more of like choose your own adventure because you get to start where you want to start. However, I did design the course in a step-by-step fashion and it kind of goes in the order that I would recommend. And we also have at the start of it, it's like at this 99-step roadmap that's literally like the minute-by-minute decisions and steps you need to take to go from zero to six-figure blog. Um, and so the course kind of follows that general roadmap. So it's kind of both. Where did you, uh, I mean, it seems like you're doing a lot of things right with your online course. Like, where'd you, where'd you learn to do this? Was it all from, uh, Maria Forleo or were, were, were there other uh, resources you learned from? Yeah. So when I started, um, thinking about my course, I had already actually bought a program called blog to biz hive from Melissa Griffin. And, I had had it for years. So like I said, this was an idea for a long time before it actually came to fruition. Um, So I used that as kind of the blueprint in the beginning. And I also worked with an amazing, I'm not sure what her official title is, but she's she's in education and she helps course creators like map out the curriculum for their course in a way that's not overwhelming and not giving away too much, but making sure you hit the key things and, and all of that. So I worked with her. She's actually local to me in Atlanta. So she came to my house. This was obviously pre-COVID. She came to my house and we spent an afternoon just mapping it out. And then I relied on Melissa's course for some of the marketing and webinar stuff. And it it worked well. Like my first launch, I made about $18,000. And then my second launch, I actually lost money after a horrible Facebook ads investment gone wrong. And that is when I found Amy Porterfield. Or I shouldn't say I found her then because obviously I, I knew who Amy Porterfield was for a long time. But she was launching DCA right around this time, her course, Digital Course Academy. And so I purchased that from her. And in the three months, like I bought it in October, and then I had my six figure launch of my course in January. And so I went from being in the red to taking her course, switching up a ton of stuff, and then making six figures in my next launch. And so that was that was amazing. And I really do credit like all of my success now to Amy. So g- give me an idea of time frame here. I mean, this is fairly recently. When, when, when was this period? L- late last year? Yeah, this was 2019. So I launched the course. So I did a beta launch first for the course just like a beta test program, I opened up 10 spots. And um, I actually ended up selling those out on day one, which was crazy. I was I had like, basically no list, I was very shocked. Um, And let's see, so that was May 2019. And then we did the beta test that was like a 30 day period, made some changes. And then I just emailed my list on so by this time, my list was like maybe 500 people or something, then I just emailed my list. In July, I did my first like official launch and that made about $18,000. And I, it was the same thing again. I just emailed my list. I like started off real slow. I just thought I'm going to ease into this. I know there's a million ways that I could, you know, market this thing and come up with a really intense strategy, but I'm just going to start slow. So I just emailed my list, kind of got proof of concept And then in October of 2019, I was like, all right, I, you know, I sold, I want to say 30 some, you know, 30 some um, units of the course in my July launch. So for the October launch, I was like, great, I'm going to try to sell 60 and, you know, just kind of double everything. 
And then I, so I put in this big investment in Facebook ads and I lost $12,000. I ended $12,000 in the red and I've never had a penny of debt in my life, which is, I'm super privileged to be able to say that, but it was very stressful for me to then be $12,000 in debt. So I took Digital Course Academy and this is October, 2019. And then January, 2020, my course launch made $100,052. That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> a launch of your course that loses money. And then a few months later, you have a six-figure course launch with the same course. The same course. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to start there. Like, uh, People could obviously go sign up for, for Amy Porterfield's course. And you're certainly not the first person that has come on and, and talked about that being a huge influence on their success. But I mean, what, what are two or three things that you did differently the second time around to lead to such significant, uh, a significant difference in results? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I learned was that the reason that my first launch to my second launch was such a disaster was that I did not grow my list at all in between those launches. And again, I did not have a segmented list for people interested in blogging. I had this health and wellness list. And so I decided, okay, I need to separate these businesses. They're two totally separate things with, you know, different markets. So I created a whole new website that was now my personal brand, just my name, Kate Kordsmeyer. And I moved my course to that site and pulled all the income reports and everything that I had on my blog, Root and Revel. I put all that on Kate Kordsmeyer. So I separated these businesses out. And then I started doing what Amy calls the pre-launch runway, which is basically just growing your email list in preparation for your course by, you know, offering tons of value to your people that get them like primed and ready to buy your course when you do launch it. So that was the biggest thing. And I went into that January launch with like a thousand or 1500 people on my list. Um, so I grew it by about a thousand people in between that October launch and the January launch. And then during the launch, I grew it again by like another 4,000 people. So I think I ended it with like 5,000 people on the list. So I did do Facebook ads again, but I did them. I, in, in October, I had hired a Facebook ads agency. I paid them a crap ton of money and they lost all of it and then some. And so in January, I was like, I'm going to just go really, really small and do it myself. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I just kind of tried to figure it out. And so I think I spent like $2,000 maybe on Facebook ads. So it was a way smaller spend, but it grew my list a ton with the right people. And then that was probably, yeah, that was the number one thing I did. The number two thing I changed is that I completely changed my webinar that I was doing to sell the course. And I redid the whole thing. I taught way less on it because in my other two webinars, I was like giving away everything and then leaving people feeling like, why do I need the course? I already have this giant list of things I need to go and do right now. So I still would think I provided a lot of value, but I left people wanting more 
instead of feeling overwhelmed. So I changed the webinar and then I also changed like the follow-up from the webinar. So the emails that I sent out after people had registered and I think those things all made a huge, huge difference. So the Facebook ads strategy was different. You actually grew your email list uh, up and leading up until this launch and you changed the content of the webinar. And that leads me to the the style of launch it was. And it, was it a simple just live le- webinar launch with some, with some follow-ups afterward or was it more to it than that? Yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it. I had four live webinars. Oh, wow. Four. Wow. I did four. Okay. I was, I was open for two weeks. I did four webinars, two on the first day, one on the second day, and then I think one on the last day or one like the second to last day or something like that. And so I did four live and then I had an email funnel that I sent people through but that was, that was about it. And my Facebook ads, like I didn't get fancy and do retargeting ads and stuff like that. I just did Facebook ads to grow my list. And I just told myself at the time, like I, it was a different mindset than what I did with the ads in October. And that was like, this needs to convert. And this time I just went and said, I'm just going to do a small spend to grow my list. And if it doesn't convert, it's okay because I can just justify the cost of the spend as now I have a list of this many people who are interested in what I'm doing and I can figure out how to nurture them from there. And I feel like that mindset really changed a lot. And on the four webinars, were they the same content every time? Yep. I did the exact same webinar. (laughs) Four times. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay, so let's talk about passive income because now you've got your blog, Root and Revel, and now you have a course and you you probably have other things as well. Do you think that passive income is ever truly passive? No. If I'm being super honest, no. It's never truly passive. If you want it to really work and continue working, I feel like you have to kind of keep paying attention to what's going on a little bit, but it's way more passive. Like before this, I was a journalist and if I was not writing stories, I was not getting paid anything. And so it was a very time for dollars. And now I feel like, you know, my life is very different. And like, I just got back from my second maternity leave and I took four months off each time. And The first time I only had the blog and I had a part-time VA and that was it. And I made like 60 grand just letting things ride. And so that felt really passive. Was it totally passive? No, not really. It's not like I I don't think it could have earned that forever um, without me doing anything, but it was pretty passive. And then the second time um, I had the course and I actually had have since turned my course on evergreen. And so it's available all the time and we have kind of an evergreen funnel set up for it using deadline funnel, which we can talk about. Um, but this time I made $137,000 while I was on maternity leave and I didn't work. So I don't know. Yes and no, I guess is my answer. Passive, yes, but not 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that drew me into this years and years ago was the allure of passive income. But I, it's it's hard to ever truly get to that point. But what I do love about it now is is you can have seasons. 
You can yes. have a baby and take some time off. We just got back recently from a five-week road trip where I did very little. But you know, I did check in every now yeah. and then. But it's yeah. so much more passive than trading your time for dollars. Right. Uh, so, so you, you, you know, you, you had your kid recently, obviously your second kid, congratulations, Thank um, you. during a, a pandemic. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, fun. Yeah. Well, we can get into that, but you, 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 you had the baby and then you, you said you took kind of four months off. Like, did you literally unplug or did you still have to kind of touch base with the team and, and, and do a few yeah. things here and there? Yeah. I mean, my husband gives me such a hard time because I kept being like, I'm on maternity leave. And he's like, what kind of maternity leave is this? You're on a team call every Monday. I'm like, well, I'm a, like, I own a business. I now have employees. I can't just be like, peace out. I'll see you guys in four months and like literally not respond to anything. I mean, I probably could if I really wanted to, but I'm way too much of a control freak for that. So yeah, I, I checked in. Um, but that was mostly all I did. Like I didn't really sit down and do any work. It was just like talking with the team, getting updates about what's going on. I mean, sometimes I would have a call with like our Facebook ads person or um, cause now I, now I do have a Facebook ads person again and not trying to do it myself and got over that trauma. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's so minimal and it's like, it's so much easier. Like I, I am now more in this visionary role and where I am designing and dreaming and checking in, but I'm not doing a whole lot. Um, so even on, even on maternity leave, that was still the case, but I mean, now I'm back and it it is very different. I feel like now I'm back at work. So I mentioned, I mentioned the pandemic and, um, that's amazing that you 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 had a kid during it, and now you've you've got your two kids, and and yours yours are a little younger than mine. Mine are three and five, okay. and running an online business um, and having them home all day every day and dealing with all everything that comes with the pandemic has been a challenge. And I think it's been, obviously been a challenge for a lot of people. Um, yeah. How how are you faring with the two even younger children at this point and running your online business and dealing with everything else? You know, it's interesting because at different phases of this pandemic, I have thought, no, this is the best age to have your kids home. You know, if you have to have kids home with you, it's best if they're this age and then we'll change it and be like, ah, actually. So, I mean, my son, he'll be two in September and my daughter is three months old. So they're very young and in some ways it's been really difficult because they're not self-sufficient at all. And like, you can't just say like, go play and they would just do it by themselves. Or at least I have not figured out that magic yet if it's possible. And um, so yeah, it's been trickier, but they also nap a lot. So we have that going for us. My son gives us almost three hours a day of napping. So there's that. And then my daughter, I mean, you know, she's still a newborn. So it's like, she's basically asleep all day. And when we got really lucky with her too, because when she's not sleeping, we just have this little like bouncy seat and I just put my foot on it and sit at my desk and bounce her next to me. (laughs) So we do that. And you know, there's like, I get up early now. I used to be like a seven- 7 a.m. was kind of like, that's early for me to get up. And now it's like, no, I'm getting up at five. And sometimes I'm not even working. I'm just, I just need some quiet time to myself to not 
have somebody needing something from me. We also have a dog and two cats. So it's just kind of zoo-like at my house and everybody always wants mommy. So um, yeah, I get up earlier and I go to bed earlier, but um, we just kind of try to work in the margins and in the nap times. And then my husband and I will switch off. I mean, he normally works in an office and he's home now um, and he's still working, but um, he's working from home. So we just kind of trade off sometimes. And every morning it's like, all right, what's your day? Can you take him from this time to this time? I have a call. I've got this. And it's a dance, but I think it's also a gift. And I have really been trying to lean more into that mindset and kind of reframe this. You know, we'd really debated about whether or not we should send my son back to daycare and, and my daughter for that matter, once maternity leave was over and um, ours is open and we technically could. And I think to each their own, everybody needs to do what they need to do. So there's no judgment in this, but we just decided for us, like, when else are we going to have this time where we're both home with our two babies and they're so young and like, let's just try to make it work and see this as, as a gift and slow down and kind of a, a forced lesson in doing less. And so that's where we are. Yeah. My wife and I have had the same repeated discussion over if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, have the pandemic and, and everybody's got to stay home, like what, what age is best for that? Yeah. Is, is it, is it where we are? Is it younger? Is it older? I'm sure a lot of people have had that discussion. Um, I know I'm not envious of people who have, you know, real school age children that now are dealing with like going back in the fall and you know, that seems so much more stressful. I feel like keeping your two year old home is like, they're not going to be scarred for life, you know, for, for that. But there were times in the beginning, I don't know if you felt like this with three and five-year-old where we were like, man, if he was just a couple years older and he could just entertain himself a little bit more, like that would be so nice. Every age has their advantages. I mean, we, our our kids can do that, but they, you know, they also get in huge fights with each other and you've Mm -hmm. got to intervene, you know, and my, uh, my oldest has been really looking forward to kindergarten. And, yeah. you know, the, the school that she um, is going to is open, but uh, a few days before it was supposed to start, her kindergarten teacher got, got the Rona. So, uh. <laughs> so we were delayed yet again. We still haven't started school yet. And it's, yeah. just, it's just crazy. And, and, you know, relating it back to my business, this week right here has been on my calendar for a while as, as the first like big week back to work. Cause the kids are going to be back in school. And you know, you mentioned naps. They're actually both napping right now. Woo-hoo. Unfortunately, I have a five-year-old that does nap. That's normally when they're, they're stopping napping. Um, but you know, I had to, I had to punt cause I, I can't work a full-time schedule when they're both, uh, when they're both home, like, like right. they've been since March. So we just, we're, we're all having to deal with this in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I think one good thing is that collectively as a world, like we're all dealing with it. So I think there's a lot more understanding of like, okay, my kid's going to be screaming in the background on this call or whatever. Whereas maybe that wouldn't have been quite as acceptable as acceptable as it is now. Well said. (laughs) So um, let's jump back to the evergreen funnel. You started to mention that a little bit. So you have your course now on an evergreen funnel. What does that look like? 
Okay. So we turned this on in April. My daughter was born in May. So I was like, let's have, try to have a month before I fully go off so that we can see if it's working and what we need to tweak. But basically the gist is we have a webinar that you can sign up for and we don't try to pretend like it's live. Um, we'd also don't come right out and say it's not live or it's pre-recorded. It's just like, here's this webinar. You can choose to watch it. And, um, it's obviously pre-recorded. I actually took one of the webinars that I did in my January launch and I just edited it and then put it up. And so I did re-record like a little intro and the outro to get rid of any like time specific things. Um, and we ended up changing some links around that I needed, you know, so it was a little hodgepodgey. Looking back, it probably would have been easier to just re-record a new one, but I just liked the energy so much that was happening on this live one, and it was really engaging, and and I was just trying to do less, and I was seven, eight months pregnant and was like, I don't want to be on camera doing this right now. So we took that webinar, we we put it up on a, on a um, landing page, and you can choose from three times a day. Um, it's offered. So people choose a time and then uh, they get put into our funnel and they can attend the webinar or not. We send out the replay and then they have seven days um, where they get the course at a discount. Um, so you can, you can go to the sales page for the course and you can buy it at any time. And we've had a couple of people do that. Um, and I'm still kind of toying with the idea if I do want to have that available. But right now, that's what the, what it is. And uh, then if you sign up for the webinar, you get put into the funnel and you get $300 off for a week. And there's also some other bonuses that we give out like throughout the process um, of that week. We use deadline funnel to time it all. So it really is like a true sense of urgency and, um, that we've put in there. It's not like telling people it's the price is going to go up and then it really doesn't or something like that. So deadline funnel manages that for us. And then, um, at the end, well, let's see. So if you buy the course, then there's also an upsell, um, that we have for a tech library component. That's just kind of like an add on to the course. Um, if you don't buy the course, you get invited to join our Getting Started Workshop, which is just like a two-hour recorded workshop, kind of how to start a blog. So maybe people weren't ready to make that full investment, but they can get started in a smaller way. So we do that. And then at the end of the seven days, it's over and you're just kind of on our list and we'll see what happens. Yeah, the the discussion of whether to have your course available all the time, even when when you given that you're going to have an evergreen funnel, do you still have your course available through the homepage or not? I choose not to, and I've done that for uh, quite a long time, and also use Deadline Funnel. And basically, my scarcity is you're either going to get access to the course or not, right? There's no right. discount or anything. So you're taking the other approach, which ha- which has its own uh, set of pros in that. You can access the, you can buy the course anytime, but if you buy it within the funnel, you get the discount. Now I'm at katecordsmeyer.com on my side right now. Where, where would I go to find that sales page? Okay. So let's see. If you're at katecordsmeyer.com, then 
at the top, there's a little bar that says the free masterclass. Mm -hmm. So that's how you would get into the funnel. And then really, so when we, when I started the evergreen in April, we did not have the course available at any time and the course just went away. So it was true scarcity. You either get the course or you don't, and you'll have to wait until the next time we launch or open the doors. But I kept getting people emailing me saying, I'd really like to buy the course. I don't know. You know, it's not available right now. And this was at the start of COVID and we didn't know what this was going to look like. I'm about to go on maternity leave. And my husband, who's not in this industry at all, but is kind of my like go-to, let me ask you how you would think about something like this, said, why would you turn down money if people want to give it to you? And I'm like, well, there's a whole, you know, marketing strategy behind this. But in this instance, I am feeling like it's confusing to people to say, okay, if you really want to buy the course right now, register for my webinar and then you'll get access. But it it felt, I don't know, it just didn't feel right to me to like send them down this weird path. It felt too gimmicky. So Instead, we now we don't really advertise the course being available at all times in many places. So, like if you're just on the homepage, there's not going to be a big thing that says. Um, actually, as I'm looking at, I'm like, there is a thing that says that. So, if you scroll down, there's a thing that says "Join the Academy," and when you click that, it takes you to the main sales page, and you can join right there. Okay. It wasn't like super apparent to me as I first went. That's why I wanted to ask you yeah. about it. And, and even, even as you're saying that, I don't necessarily see the join the Academy button. So it's not like you're just, it's not like you're advertising everywhere, all over your site, like join the car, no. join the course. Now it's, it's still pretty hidden. It's kind of hidden and it's a little bit more of like a backdoor link of when people email and say like, I want in on the course. Then we go, okay, here's, here's where you can join. But we still do try to encourage people to take the webinar because I feel like that gives people so much more context and they convert better that way. And, you know, so we'll see. I mean, maybe I will take it down at some point. I feel like, you know, I just got back and so I'm just kind of looking at things, but it's also kind of working for us right now. I set a goal that I wanted to earn $10,000 a month in new revenue from our funnel and we've been hitting that. So like, well, it's doing what I wanted it to do. Now, now I want to try to scale that and maybe I'll need to take it down. I don't know. I'm curious how, how your experience has been doing it your way. I've, you know, I'm a big systems guy and I've got my system pretty well dialed in now and I've been doing it, um, for, for a lot longer than you. So I've, I've had a lot more runtime and a lot more people come through and, and get feedback from them. And so, um, you'll, you'll, you know, I go as far on the site as saying, that the the online the course is waitlisted, which yeah. which is technically true. If somebody they have to opt into the to the list um, to be able to to get the information about when the course is going to be available for them, right. and so um, that process has worked really really well. And then I think one one area that that may be different between mine and yours that that may be a kind of a limiting factor to be honest with you is is it doesn't sound like you have a very defined relaunch strategy. I know that once somebody goes through the evergreen funnel and does not buy, they will, they will definitely get relaunched to every four months until they either buy or unsubscribe. And so let's say that somebody goes through the launch and two months later, they're like, okay, Jacques, I'm ready now. Well, I can tell them like, look, the next launch is in two months. 
you know? And so we have, we're very consistent in that. I say we, because it's me and my assistant communicating with them. Um, and, and it really, I mean, we've had this, this, this real, the evergreen funnel and the relaunch system in place for a couple of years now, and it really hasn't been any issues at all. So, okay. That's really interesting. And yeah, that is something that we've, and I say we, cause I have a couple team members now and we, um, had sort of planned at the beginning of 2020, which, you know, all 2020 plans have kind of gone out the window, but the beginning of 2020, we said in Q4, we'll do another live launch of six FBA. And now that it's been on evergreen, I'm like, why would I ever live launch again? This is so much better. (laughs) So I want to see if we can really truly scale evergreen and we're going to see that over the next few months. And if we can, then I think I, I don't really see us doing a live launch, but I do need to come up with a relaunch strategy then for those people. Cause yeah, we have, I just looked at this today. We have 3,700 people who have been through our evergreen funnel and not purchased right now. And I'm like, what am I going to do with those people? I need to figure something out. Would you like me to tell you what you should do? Yes, please. <laughs> so I've shared this on the podcast a few times, but I, I love when it comes up because it is it is a confusing point for course creators. And it's funny to, if you look at like the evolution of a course creator, right? You, you've, you've been very successful. You, uh, you had multiple successful live launches and that's, that's kind of where people start to, to taste the success. And then, we, then you start and you turn uh, things into an evergreen funnel. And you've obviously got a very successful evergreen funnel right now that's working for you. And you don't think about things like, once somebody goes through my evergreen funnel and does not buy, what do I do with them? That doesn't even, you don't even think about that until you're at the point you're at right now. Mm-hmm. You would have never thought about that when you were still doing live launches. Um, and so that's, um, I, you know, I, I, I was at that point several years ago and, and what I decided that would be best for both me and my potential student was to put them in one of four buckets based on which month they finish the evergreen funnel in. And that allows me to then relaunch to a quarter of my list every month. And then I can have consistent income that way with the relaunches, but it's also a lot better experience for the potential customer. Because one way that some people do it is they'll have their evergreen funnel and they'll still do a couple of live launches yeah. uh, throughout the year so that they can repitch it to their email list. But what happens if somebody comes through your evergreen funnel in July and then your next big relaunch is in August? That's a little yeah. weird. That's not a great experience for the other person. And right. so I know no matter when somebody comes through my funnel, they will always get relaunched to every four months. And that also helps me to answer the questions that like, like you were talking about, Hey, like I'm ready to get in and it's, and I can look up and see when their next launch is. And then I can be like, well, look, it's next month, wait for it. Or it's in three months. At least, at least you have um, an answer. And that's to me, the best solution that I found for the, um, for having the evergreen funnel and doing relaunches and treating, treating people right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that idea. So when you, can I ask you a follow-up question, <laughs> flipping the script here? So when you relaunch, are you pitching like 
what's your strategy? Are you sending, Hey, take the webinar again. I assume that's not your strategy. So, um, how do you do that? Yeah. In my opinion, I think there's two, there's two really great funnels for launching an online course. You've got some version of a webinar funnel, which you obviously have a lot of experience and success with. And then there's some version of a product launch formula funnel. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. That's where you have the pre-launch videos and the open cart, uh, close cart period. And then, so the, you've got those two and then you could have some sort of marriage between them, right? So um, in fact, my evergreen funnel for my piano course is, is both of those in one funnel. Uh, and so when it comes time for relaunch, I'll usually do one of them or, or sometimes I'll uh, like, I'll do a product launch formula one, one month. And then maybe the next month I'll do a live webinar relaunch because, you know, at this point my list is, um, over 60,000 people. So you got to think each relaunch will be at least 15,000 people. So it's a, it's enough people to justify a live, uh, a live webinar. So, um, so you will do like every month you'll have, like, I do one live webinar or something like that. Well, don't, don't let me fool you. Like I'm not doing a live webinar every month, but okay. sometimes I'll be like, you know what, for the relaunch this month, I will do a live webinar. <laughs> um, so what, what I'm saying is I try to mix up the launch strategy for yeah. the relaunches so that it's not the exact same relaunch every single time somebody right. goes through. I will right. literally have people that opted in six years ago and have sat through 27 relaunches by my course because it finally this was the right time for them. Right. I know it's timing is so much of it. So yeah, that is really interesting. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but now you've given me some really good homework of like, okay, I'm coming up with my relaunch strategy now because I got to start figuring out now my list is 20,000. And so I'm like, all right, what are we going to do with these people? And we're, you know, continuing to grow and And what do you think is a good conversion rate for an evergreen funnel? Ooh, see now that's, see, that's just a really broad question because, you know, I've got a, I've got piano course, I've got, you know, online course course, and, um, you're in the health space and the, the, the blogging space. And, um, I mean, every, every, everything and everybody is different. So So your piano course converts differently than your course course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. From from email opt-in to sale on the piano side is about three and a half percent. It's it's there, there's no set target though. I mean, um, I don't know if you know like Abby Ashley. Um, she mm-hmm. she teaches uh, people to be virtual assistants and has been wildly successful. Um, her conversion rate is insanely high. I just I, I can I. It's almost unbelievable how high her conversion rate because her email list is not actually that great. I mean, her email list is like ten or twenty thousand dollars, and she makes like over a million dollars a year with her course. Wow! And and it's just like her her conversion rate is just insane. So, um, yeah, I mean, why 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 are you asking me that? Well, you know, we're trying to as we're trying to. Thinking about, okay, so I mean, Facebook ads are a big strategy, like that's a big way we get people into the funnel in the first place. And so I don't want to increase our spend though, until we make sure that the conversion rates are at a certain point. And so I just like to, you know, know what everybody's got a different answer, like you said, which I guess means like, I shouldn't even ask the question because it depends, but (laughs) I am an information addict. So I just like to know, know all the things. That's my conversion rate on the piano side. And I, my traffic source, uh, my traffic comes from all kinds of different 
places, both organic and paid. Um, so Facebook ads is just one tiny, tiny part of my traffic, uh, strategy. But if that's the reason you're asking the question, then I mean, the way that I look, I try to keep things as simple as possible. And it's like, okay, if I spend a dollar at Facebook, how much does that make me? And if it's right. at least like a dollar fifty, okay, great. If it's less than that, we got a problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's an interesting discussion overall because I'm always like I'm always trying to get better in everything. Like I always, you know. Right. want to make my videos better and better and better and my podcast better and better and better and and my course and 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 the experience for my users um little things big things and and um there's there's a lot of things on my mind that I'm trying to get better at I I feel like I've kind of nailed the relaunch thing and so I'm thinking about different stuff and and you're at a certain level right now where okay you're thinking about relaunching and and getting better with Facebook ads and this and that and so um it's it's interesting to see this progression of everybody trying to get to that next level, next level, next level. And there's really no into it. Yeah. Which I think is like the fun part because I enjoy the journey of it and like the, you know, let's just keep learning and trying new things and throwing spaghetti at the wall. And <laughs> it's a good thing because, you know, there is no end point. And if you think there is, you're fooling yourself, I think, because as soon I don't know, at least in my experience, people say, oh, once I make this amount of money or once I have this many sales or this many page views, and then you get there and you just go, cool, what's next? But you, you've all, you've almost got to enjoy this this kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's all, that's also one of the problems when I'm trying to help you with courses. I mean, you take some random person who's good at like basket weaving, and they have this gift of basket weaving and be able to teach basket weaving. But maybe that's all they're good at and want to be good at. Like yeah. how how are you supposed to tell that person um, about Facebook ads and relaunches and, and all this? Like how is that person supposed to be successful with an online basket weaving course when at the end of the day? They just want to focus on the basket weaving. Yeah, good point. I know. So I don't know if, I guess that's kind of the argument that I know in the beginning when I first started thinking about courses, people were saying like, you can't make money on B2C courses. It has to be B2B. You have to be telling, teaching a course that tells people how to make money. Um, if you're not doing that, if you're just teaching basket weaving, it won't work, which is totally untrue. But if you're the basket weaver, you're going to spend way less time basket weaving and way more time in the online business world and strategy than that. But I don't know. I think that's just kind of when you get to a certain level in any business, that's sort of what happens. I mean, I wanted to be a writer and I was a journalist for 10 years and 90% of what I did had nothing to do with writing. It was all about the business side of it because I was freelance. And so it was like pitching and coming up with ideas and connecting with editors and managing my books and accounting and, you know, all this, like there were so many other hats that you're wearing. So um, I feel like maybe it's just like that. Yeah. But you, you obviously enjoy it. And so, and so do yeah. I, right. Um, there's a lot of piano pianists and piano teachers that don't enjoy this side, this side of stuff. And that's, that's one reason I do this. Like I'm trying to trying to help people like that with the business side of things and be like, look, here's here, do this, 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 and then this. And and hopefully you can just kind of implement that and not have to worry about it too much. Um, but that's, you know, I, I'm I'm more passionate about about online business and online courses than I am about piano. 
right? But but not everybody with their niche is, is going to be like that. But I think that me and you are. Well, then they should blog because there's way <laughs> less <laughs> there's way less that you have to do, but you can still reach a ton of people and make great money. But you don't have to think about all this like relaunch and Facebook ads. Okay. And- so if you have, let's take our basket weaving example. If somebody wants to share that gift with the world, in your opinion, having done both, do you think a blog is a better way than an online course? Oh, it's so hard <laughs> you kinda, to answer that. You kind of just I, said that though. Well, I think it depends on, do you like marketing or not? Right. And if you, if you like marketing, then no, do an online course because I think online courses are more, more scalable than blogs. You don't have like blogs. So, you know, I make about $250,000 a year now from Root and Revel. And I feel like I've kind of maxed it out unless I way increase my traffic. And I think with courses, you don't have to have that crazy amount of like millions of people coming to your site a month to make that kind of money. You can have a seven figure course business with a few thousand people on your list. And I don't think that's true for blogs, but you can make multiple six figures from blogging and not have to get into all of this. I mean, there's still some marketing and strategy, of course, involved in it, but it seems like if, if your passion is really about basket weaving and you just want to talk about basket weaving and help other people weave their baskets, then, (laughs) then blogging about it is probably going to be a more enjoyable experience for you. That's fair. And you're with your example of, of an email list of only a few thousand people, but yet making a million dollars from a course. I think that only happens when, when that person um, really knows what they're doing from an online business and marketing perspective. And most people don't really know what they're doing. And I think yeah. ultimately, if, if somebody wants to share that gift, um, the best thing, and they're not, and they're not into the marketing and don't ever want to be good at the marketing, then they either need to, to follow a very detailed, uh, like mentor and, and program or partner with somebody who is passionate yeah. about the marketing. Um, because I recognize that 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 I am passionate about this, and that not everybody is. So we got we have to figure out ways for people that aren't aren't are passionate about the marketing, but have a gift and are passionate about that particular niche to be able to share that with the world. Well, right, and then there's also like what is enough for one person is different from another. So, so somebody might say, "I don't need to have a seven figure business. I don't want all of that. I just want to be able to, you know, make $60,000 a year doing what I love." And then I'm like, "Well, great. Then you could easily do that with a blog or an online course." Um and and be happy and not have to feel like, "Okay, but what about this strategy? Now I need to figure out this next thing." And, you know. So I think just depends on your personality. That's true. Yeah. uh, I remember a story from uh, around a year ago. I had somebody on the podcast and I don't remember the exact numbers, but she, what she taught, um, it was very niche. Like it was, she taught entrepreneurs to, to be cartoonists so they could draw themselves. It it was very, very niche down. Oh, that is niche. Yeah. But she, she charged like a thousand dollars or $1,500 for the course for, and it was, it was, it was an experience. It was more than a course, but she only let like 15 or 20 people in per year. And that's because she had dialed in exactly what she wanted to make. Like she knew that she was fine with a $45,000 a year income and that's all she ever needed or wanted. And she was, she was okay with that. So to your point about, you got to know what you want too. 
Well, right. I mean, because it can be a headache if you don't enjoy it. And even if you do enjoy it, I mean, there's still times I'm sure you can relate to that where you're just like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. And, or there's, it's a lot of pressure or there's always something new to be doing or learning or whatever. And so if you, if you don't have that, then I think, yeah, great. Embrace it. Cool. Um, so look, just a couple more for you here before we get out of here. Uh, let's talk a little more about tools because uh, I just love tools. And we've talked about deadline, deadline Funnel. I also use that. Um, you said your courses on Kajabi. You use Demio. What other tools are you using? Okay. So right now we are with Active Campaign for our email service provider. Yeah. Is that what you do as oh, well? Yeah. Love Active Campaign. Absolutely. Okay. I have really loved it too. But I am also on the free trial right now with Entreport thinking that I may want to do a switch. So (laughs) you're shaking your head at me. Um, There's a few things that ActiveCampaign cannot do. And I also feel like I use a lot of different tools where I could maybe combine but not lose functionality. Because like a lot of people say, well, just put everything on Kajabi. And it's like, well, no, no, no. They're not email marketing specialists. This is, I'm going to lose a lot of my, a lot of my functionality. So, because we also use SamCart. SamCart's my payment processor. And really the only reason I use SamCart is because I have affiliates for my blog course. So, um, Kajabi does have affiliates and a portal built in, but it is very limited. Like you can't really, you can't change cookie windows and you can't lead track and there's a lot of limitations to it. So I use SamCart because they allowed us to do some of those things, although they still, I'm still missing a few features that I want there. And I use lead pages to make my landing pages and pop-up boxes and forms and stuff. And so right now I'm debating, should I do Entreport and take SamCart lead pages and active campaign all over there? You, you somewhat like kind of answered that or rebutted that for yourself already. Like I personally like to have software that's kind of good at one thing, Yeah, you know, and, and, and let's, let active campaign handle the emails and let Kajabi handle the course, but not the emails. And if you like Sam cart for your affiliate and checkout, that's great. And lead pages for the landing pages. I mean, yeah, it'd be cool if one software did all that and had the deadline funnel, um, uh, features and all that, but there is, there, there are advantages to kind of separating things out and letting all the tools do what they're best at. And yeah, I think when we're, when we're using a certain tool, you're all like, you're always going to second guess, is there a better tool out there to, to execute, execute that? Uh, I think that's very natural. I do that all the time as well. Yeah, I know. And we're always learning about new things. Like right now we're looking into right message. I don't know if you've ever used that tool, use but yep. you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I feel like I am really segmented with my blogging list because it's a lifestyle blog. People, some people are interested in recipes. Some people want beauty stuff. So we have it really, you know, narrowed down in there. But with the KK list, I just, you just join my list for any number of reasons and everybody's treated the same right now. And I'm like, well, that's got to change. And so we're looking at right message to maybe help us with that. Um, 
see, what other tools do we use? I use Acuity for my calendar scheduling. Um, I use, we even use Demio for our team meetings. Um, Yeah, I really like Demio. My only complaint with Demio, and you said you use Webinar Jam? For live webinars, I use Webinar Jam, yes. Okay. So my only complaint with Demio is that they're, when you have automated webinars set up, they only give you the data for individual webinars. So we cannot say, we host three webinars a day right now. We can't say last week, the average watch time was 41 minutes or whatever. We have to go into every individual webinar and see what the watch time is. So it's like, they're not giving us aggregate data across all these automated webinars, which drives me crazy. Right. And you're talking about the evergreen webinar functionality within Demio right now, right? Yes. So yes. I use where which to me is like totally a totally different conversation, right? I use webinar jam for um for live live webinars and then the coaching stuff we talked about earlier, but I certainly mm-hmm. don't use it for evergreen webinars. So what do you use for evergreen webinars? Ah listeners of this podcast We'll know that's a contentious topic on this podcast. Oh, um, I went through this, through this whole thing six months ago where I tried every single one, and uh, well, I was using at the time I was using Ever Webinar, and there's just a lot to not like about Ever Webinar. But I made made a lot of money from selling through an Evergreen Webinar with Ever Webinar, which is the counterpart to Webinar Jam. Okay, yeah. And so I was just got frustrated with it. I'm like, okay, let, let me, there's gotta be a better way. And so I, I tried them all. I tried Demio. I tried all of them and nothing was to me was as good as ever webinar, which was, a, that was a horrible conclusion to come to because I set out on that because I was frustrated with ever webinar. Right. And then, um, and then I, it's just like fate. I, I, as I was going through that, I heard Dan Henry talk about, um, a very similar process he went through. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Henry, but he's, he's, a, um, yeah. He's a big time online course guy. And he talked about how he switched from ever webinar to basically people opt in. They don't pick a time. Next page, video plays. And that his conversion rate went up. And I was like, fascinating. And so I I actually uh, heard him talk about that at the ClickFunnels conference back in February. And so that night I went to my hotel room and I looked up his website, figured out what he was doing. And I, and I copied a lot of the things that he was doing. And by the morning I had a full working system ready to go. And it was infinitely simpler than having any sort of software. I mean, I just, I built it in ClickFunnels and had just a video playing on a page. It auto played. Um, there was no more fake chats. There was no more pre- uh, pretending it's live in any way. There was no more fake attendees. Um, there was no more scheduling a time. Is like literally opt-in video plays. A month later, I collected the data and I went from 5% conversion rate to 7% conversion rate with a far better experience for the end user. Wow. Fascinating. And so we tried something similar, not quite as simplified as that, which I really like, but we originally just had it on demand. So you weren't choosing times. You just, yeah. it was like... Because Demio has that feature where you can say on demand, right? Right. Yeah, they do. And we found that people weren't watching when they could watch it on demand. 
And so then we we said, okay, well, let's see if we do the times and get rid of on demand if that, if our conversions go up and it did for us. So that's why we, we were on the times now, but that is really interesting. And I mean, you could do it even just in like Kajabi or lead pages. Like you don't even need, you don't need anything fancy. You could do it in a WordPress. Bingo. Yeah, I just have, I mean, I have all my funnels and everything in ClickFunnels. So I built it out in ClickFunnels. Um, And yeah, I have this whole video I made on YouTube about about that process that I'll share with you after the fact. Um, But yeah, we've done multiple whole episodes on this because I've just been on this really big kick lately on just treating other people how I would want to be treated. And Mm -hmm. if I want to consume some information... I opt in for it. And then the information is there. Like that's how I would want to be treated without any bells, whistles, gimmicks or anything like that. And to me, the fact that it actually converts better is just icing on top of the cake. Right. No, totally. Mariah cause, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she has a course on evergreen, which I've thought about taking, but I watched her evergreen webinar Um, and that's kind of how she does it too. And she talks about how evergreen is such a better experience for everybody involved. Um, and that, and kind of to your point that even just like, don't, she said, don't set a time, don't, you know, mimic a live thing. Just here, I'm just showing you the video. Like the jig is up. We all kind of know what's going on and just let me make this simple and easy for you. Yes. We have, we have somehow managed to name a lot of the, um, the big time, like online course coaches out there throughout this conversation. <laughs> Cause Mariah, Mar- Mariah, uh, cause is, is obviously one of them. Dan Henry is one of them. And then you, uh, you mentioned Amy Porterfield is obviously one of them as well. Um, all great people to learn from. Yeah. Well, I look at this. I've like taken so many notes here on my side as well. I've seen, I've seen you writing too. This has been a fun <laughs> conversation. Um, so the audience here is there's a lot of people that, uh, don't have courses yet, thinking about getting into courses, want to do it the right way. And a lot of people too that have courses uh, already and just always looking to get better. So um, we've had a great conversation here just to kind of wrap things up, speaking to the audience. Is there anything else from your experience that you would want to share with an audience like this? I think for me, so much of it just comes back to mindset and getting like reframing things really like analyzing and looking at your own beliefs and what what's holding you back from whatever it may be it, maybe it's starting a course or taking it to the next level or going evergreen i mean i've dealt with some things going evergreen of like this is too easy like this money is just coming in and i'm not doing anything and like isn't this supposed to be hard and so i'm having to go and look at some of my beliefs and you know, unlearn some things and accept. I keep asking myself, how good can it get? And what if it was easy? And I think that's like, that's, that's the next level for me. And hopefully for anybody listening that that resonates with that, like, if you want abundance and joy and prosperity in your life, ask yourself that. Very cool. So, uh, so whether somebody is maybe interested in blogging or, or even like health and wellness, um, mm-hmm. what, or just wants to start com- consuming some of your, your content now, Kate, where, where, where can people, uh, go to do that? 
Yep. So, okay. My blog is Root and Revel. And then my website is katecordsmeyer.com. And you can, um, my blogging course, as we discovered on the show, my blogging course is listed on there on the page. <laughs> um, you could also do the webinar um, as well. And I'm at Kate Cordsmeyer on social media. Kate Cordsmeyer. Probably not just like it's it sounds, but I'm sure people can find it. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me here today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Okay, we're back, David. Welcome back, uh, man. This was this was a fun one. Eighteen thousand dollar launch on your first launch. 30, 30 sales. Three months, four months later, you lose twelve thousand. Mm-hmm. Three months after that, you hundred thousand dollar launch. That is, you know, people talk about the launch roller coaster. That is the launch roller coaster. How cool that she was able to 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 have those ups and downs and have such a massive up, mm-hmm. but you know, at the same time, that's one of the reasons I stress so hard about evergreen funnels too. And, and the way that I relaunch as well, because I, I don't have those roller coasters. Like my, my income is way more steady than that. Um, but, and I think, I think Kate would aspire to, to, for that as well. But, but hearing the story of going from losing $12,000, three months later, hundred thousand dollar launch was my personal favorite sort of the, uh, part of the story. Um, so, so start, start giving me your kind of takeaways and go down the list. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the, the most interesting part of that was that when she looked back on the situation, she was like, well, of course I didn't have success. I didn't really grow my list um, on that second launch. And so, you know, those things, sometimes when we're in the middle of, of a goal, we don't, don't see that. Yeah, there's just this one simple thing, especially is that we got to get new members uh, or new, new list members. And then it was so interesting, like, she did her own Facebook ads and she said that her Facebook ads, um, her goal with the Facebook ads was not to convert to a sale at that moment. Um, she posted Facebook ads just with the goal of like getting people to, to enter her world. And she said, over time, I know that they're going to love me. Um, eventually they'll give me some money in, in one way, shape or form. And so that was really interesting. I mean, I don't know exactly how her Facebook ads would have been different if she had been conversion focused, uh, but it was really cool to hear, you know, as somebody that does my own Facebook ads, it's, it's, it's neat to look at it that way and say, you know, just start, start the relationship. And uh, that's what I've seen in my own Facebook ads experience. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. But you know, for her, it wasn't as simple as growing the email list, Facebook ads. I mean, she really took a step back and said, okay, let me, let me rethink this whole course thing. Let me learn from somebody that's been there, done that. And it sounds like one of the biggest things was just signing up for Amy Porterfield's program and going through that and actually taking action on that, that program. Mm-hmm. Even if you only, if you sign up for a $2,000 program and you only get like these two or three main takeaways, but those two or three main things are enough to have a six figure difference in what you're doing. Definitely. Yeah, I loved hearing about the passive income. I mean, the idea that she said she said she just came she just came back from maternity leave. Yeah. And I think she said she made $137,000 while she was on maternity leave. I was like, "Dang, you know, that's my kind of maternity leave." Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was awesome. Yeah, but she still had to check in here and there just like right. just like on my road trip, like it's not 
truly a hundred percent passive, but you know, like me, like I, I enjoy those check-ins, even if I'm at the beach, even if I'm at a road trip, like I, I like touching base on my business just because I'm so passionate about my students and their success. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not missing anything major that I need to attend to. Yeah. And then she, uh, she also said that she, she views herself as currently being in the visionary role, which sounded very much like what you're going for. So how are things going with getting your, um, integrator up to speed? Yeah, really good. It's been a little over a couple of weeks now and she's, uh, she's doing an amazing job. She's set up project management software. She's, she's had meetings with all the team members. Um, and it's allowed me to focus more and more on a uh, higher level in the business mm. and focus on the, the vision role. And I, and I know Kate, Kate has a, a full-time integrator. Mine's more half-time. Um, but she, she was telling me uh, separately that um, she read the book Rocket Fuel was her mm. motivation for, for hiring a, um, an integrator. Uh, and she's had one ever since. And, and it's, it's been a great experience for her as well. And for her, like her, her integrator, her title is actually integrator, whereas mine is more like director of operations, but those are all just, those are all just words and titles. And, uh, but overall, man, it's going really, really well. And I've talked to a couple of people in next level courses, um, or I've talked to a lot of people in next level courses, but a couple of them have taken action on that as well and hired their own, um, integrators in the past couple of weeks as well. And are starting to see some results there as well. Well, so I know you're a tools geek. So uh, number one, what project management software did she install? And then um, honestly, I have a little bit of a hard time imagining you not like digging into the software yourself. So were you truly able to actually let her just uh, just head that up? I was, uh, I was, my title was automation engineer for the first <laughs> part of my career. And then I got an MBA, master's of business administration. Um, and became a project manager at my job and got a PMP certification, which is project management professional. So uh, I, am, I have a, a vast background of project management and automation. Um, and so letting go of some of that is, is certainly a challenge, but I haven't worked that job in over four years now, four and a half years. And um, I just don't want to be in the weeds anymore. And so I let her completely own you know, what software we used there's a lot out there. There's Monday, there's uh, ClickUp, um, Trello, but the one she picked is Asana. I've, I've heard okay. a lot of people use it. And if that's what she was used to and wants to use, then I had no reason to tell her otherwise. I had actually gone through a phase probably eight or 10 months ago where I tried to get my team on board with um, ClickUp. I tried to implement things, but it was just it was just a lot of setup, a lot of work, learning the system. And by spending a couple of days trying to get ClickUp working, I was neglecting a lot of other things. And even though I had a, a background in project management, it just wasn't what I should be focusing on. So I, I pulled the plug on ClickUp. We went back to all my spreadsheets. But now that I have Colleen on board, she's able to come in and, and move everything off the spreadsheets and into Asana. And she can own that. And I don't, mm. I don't have to think about it at all. And she's training me on Asana and, and our process, just like she's training everybody else on the team. I'm just, I'm just one of the team members. And it's really, it's really fun to sit back and, and watch it all happen without my interaction or intervention, I guess would be a better word. Nice. Well, I know that uh, we talk quite a bit about here, here about like just keeping costs under control is Asana. Like how much is Asana for a team your size? Yeah, that's fair. It's not super cheap. It's, I think it's $12 a 
per person per month. Okay. So, you know, paying 60 something dollars a month for it right now, but that's, I'm just, you know, like with any software, I usually sign up for the monthly plan. And then once we get established, it feels good. Then I'll switch over to the yearly plan and uh, save a little bit of money. So I don't know how that compares to the other, the other ones out there, but I know that we needed something mm-hmm. and that I wasn't the right person to set it up. And so when she was like, Hey, I want to use Asana and I want to use it now. It's like, yes, please do it. Sure. I, I approve. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I love the the discussion about having kids in the pandemic and her attitude that, you know, even though we're all kind of in this crappy situation, like let's make the best of it. And uh, for a long time here, I've been uh, thinking of reading the book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan mm-hmm. Holiday. Have right. you read any Ryan Holiday? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I don't think I've read any of his books cover to cover. I've heard him speak live uh, actually two times now. He spoke mm. at the uh, I'm pretty sure he spoke at the ClickFunnels conference and then he actually spoke at our local entrepreneur event, uh, Baton wow. Rouge Entrepreneur Week a couple of years ago. I heard him speak. But I, the, the one thing that I remember specifically about that book is how impactful it's been for some NFL teams mm-hmm. um, and their success. You know, uh, I think it was maybe the Seahawks and the Patriots. Everybody had to read that book um, and they really got a lot out of it. So, so what made you um, think of that book? Well, yeah. So, I mean, the book is on stoicism, um, which is the concept of that enduring pain or hardship without displaying feelings or complaining, like just saying like, you know, going through a hard time makes me stronger and I'm going to make the best of it. Um, Honestly, one of the things was I was thinking if it's really good that I could try to convince my wife to read it. Uh, My wife is the funniest mixture of stoic and princess. So um, (laughs) she is a home care nurse. And and like you, we're not like car focused. So I mean, I drive a 2008 Honda Element. She drives this little like 2004 Honda Civic. And her air conditioner doesn't work. And she's a home care nurse up here. She's driving around on like 102, 103 degree heat index days doing her home care nursing. And I'm like, I'm like, why don't you just go get that fixed? And she's like, no, nah, I don't need to. It's not necessary. <laughs> and then, um, you know, there was this day that we had somebody working in our house and they weren't even working in the bathroom. Um, but she like had to, had to hold her going to the bathroom for a bit or she would have had to go in the house where somebody else was at. Or I was like, well, you could have just gone to like the gas station around the corner. And she, this was just like this freak out moment. And I'm like, you realize you are the same lady who like, intentionally drives around in like this car with no air conditioning. So um, yeah, I was like, maybe if I really love it, you know, I always say that if you want somebody to read a book, you have to read it yourself first. You can't sell somebody on a book based Mm -hmm. on something you heard. Um, But with my luck, I'd probably get her to read it. And then she'd like throw out, throw out all our furniture and make us sleep on sleep on like slabs of stone to like be a little bit more stoic. And I'd be like, Oh no. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, she she attended Nate's uh, microgreens workshop or webinar, and then all of a sudden she started a whole business mm-hmm. around it. So <laughs> she yeah. definitely takes actions on the the content she consumes. The right message, yep, definitely. So switching back to the kind of the conversation with Kate, you know, one one cool thing, and I really like when it gets like this, where it's more of a conversation than an interview. She eventually she started asking, "Well, how do you do it, Jock?" You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. <laughs> 
it's not that my way is necessarily better than her way, but I just, I like having a conversation about it. And I really love the fact that she was asking me that those, those types of questions. And we could, we could have a conversation about it. Um, and you know, I had the advantage of, you know, this right here is episode 150 and I've talked to tons of course creators. So I know about a lot of different ways to do things. And so I can tell her, well, Hey, look, this is, you know, this is the way it works for my piano business. But then there's also, you know, these other businesses that do it this way and she does it her particular way. So I loved how this became, um, the more we got into it, the more it became a conversation. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Uh, the other thing I found kind of interesting about her. So again, we said her background is journalism. And so usually when I think of uh, somebody that's writing, I think of more of a creative type of person. Uh, but there were a couple different points where I was like, she really loves analytics and Mm -hmm. she dives into the analytics. Um, when you were sharing your strategy about relaunch or, or maybe it was your webinar strategy, she said, well, what's a, what's a good conversion percentage? And uh, that's a question that, you know, periodically, if you're watching the Facebook groups, people that they haven't even started recording the course yet. And they're like, Hey, what's a good conversion percentage for a webinar? And uh, you know, I mean, I think the answer is always better, right? <laughs> I mean, like as 100%. good as possible, but <laughs> You know, and at another point, she said that she was frustrated with the uh, the one webinar software because, or the the Evergreen webinar software because she really wanted to know the average watch time per week. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me, I was like, well, what what would she do with that info? I was thinking that as she asked that, she was like, oh, that's the one frustration is I want to know if people are making it twenty two minutes or twenty eight minutes, and I'm like, what would you do with that information? Um. No, that's a really good point. I've, I've actually since spoken to Kate a couple of times since we recorded that. And yeah, she's, she's big on the data, the analytics. She wants to know. And that's great. I think that's a great, um, that's a great characteristic of somebody that's going to be the visionary. Let's look at some data and then let's get some ideas together. That's going to improve these numbers. Mm-hmm. Now team, you go implement it. So uh, not, not everybody is like that, but she certainly is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right after I was sitting there thinking like, aren't you worrying about something that's not that important? Then she shared how when she switched to uh, on-demand anytime webinar, like she saw her conversion percentage decrease. And so she switched it back to the three times a day. Right. So, I mean, data is good to the extent that it gives you, gives you information you can act on. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, David, I just, I really enjoyed talking to Kate and I think she's on the, I think she's kind of at the beginning of something big here. I think, oh, you know, yeah. I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of her. We hadn't met until a month or two ago. Um, but I think she's going to be uh, somebody people are more and more familiar with as, as time goes on. I think she's, I think we're just kind of at the beginning of, of a, of a much bigger story. Did you kind of get that feeling too? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think she's, I think she's super exceptional. And, uh, you know, there was one quote, I actually wrote down the quote, um, but she was talking about the difference of a blog versus an online course. And she said, if somebody comes to her and says, I just want to make $60,000 a year talking about and sharing about a subject I love, she was like, well, that's easy. And I was like, I was like, is it? Yeah. And then I was trying to figure out, is it easy for Kate or, you know, but maybe if you just join her course, do everything she says start the blog, like, you know, yeah, that, that highlights what you're saying. I think she's truly exceptional and can, can be the leader of a movement. I mean, everybody's got their strengths. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's easy to, to have a podcast or to make a video or to teach people piano. Um, but I think 
uh, certain other things are extremely, extremely hard. And so you need to kind of double down on the things you're good at. And then the things you are not so good at, but want to be good at, well, the best thing is to learn from people that, um, that are there already and have mentors and so on. But a uh, really good point. Yeah. So, um, anything else, David, or is that kind of all your, all of your list? That's it. Man, this was another good one. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased, though, but I enjoyed speaking to Kate and, of course, talking to you about this on the front end and back end, David. So thank you for joining me for another episode of the Online Course Show. And thanks for everybody out there uh, for listening to another episode. This was big number 150. And so, therefore, you can find all of the links and show notes that we mentioned throughout the whole episode by visiting oc.show slash 150. And for more online course resources, more, more things to help you on this journey of starting an online course or improving the online course you already have. I've got different programs, all the podcast episodes, all the tools that I use. Everything is over at theonlinecourseguy.com. So once again, oc.show slash 150, theonlinecourseguy.com. We'll see you next week for another episode. Take care. 